Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome back, everyone. This week, uh, we have a pre-recorded broadcast, but no fear, it is just as powerful and dynamic as any of our other live broadcasts. And I am excited today as usual because I have someone with me who is internationally renowned and this time is an etiquette expert. And so um, she shares her work on etiquette training and recommendations that she's gonna have for school leaders. Uh, she's an author, a speaker. Uh, she's been uh, very popular in social media as a resource and has her own etiquette school, the Protocol School of Texas. So I'm excited to talk to and, and ask you to join me in welcoming Diane Gotsman. Welcome, Diane. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. Well, I, you know, I I had already, I had some people write to me and say, uh, what, what, what made you decide to do etiquette this week? And what, um, what are you going to talk about? It's like, okay, tune in and you'll see. Uh, I, I'll start out by saying, uh, and I, I'm probably going to date myself, but uh, growing up, I still remember, and I'm sure you're going to know it when I say it, is that on our bookshelf in my house, my grandmother had a book and it was a blue, kind of a baby blue book. I still remember what it looked like, but it was by author Emily Post. And just the title on the front of the book was just Etiquette. And it was Etiquette by Emily Post. And I, as a young boy, I just kind of looked and I remember seeing it wasn't anything that that I really I, I didn't certainly didn't read all the way through it, but I just thought it was interesting that they had kind of social rules and norms for people to understand and know. Um, re, and and so what recently struck me was I was at an event, and uh, I, I want to say it was kind of a formal event, but I in New York City I saw several people uh, dressed up. Uh, women in ball gowns. And then I saw the men in tuxedos and sneakers. <laughs> and, and I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, I guess this is this, maybe it's the event. Then I was a speaker at an event where there was a gentleman, we all had on suits. Gentleman came very nice suit. I looked down, he had on a pair of Air Jordan sneakers. <laughs> so it made me think, Things have really shifted. And I don't know if it was just COVID. A lot of people are like, well, after COVID, people just laid back a lot. So I, I'm I'm just really excited to have you because I, there are things that I want to know. And I know that there are people who have a lot of questions for you, uh, particularly that I have leaders and um, people from C-suite uh, uh positions that are now going out. Some have never been in these positions before, but have some questions about how do I behave? How do I act in these kind of situations? So it's not necessarily just kind of a pop quiz for you, but just for us to talk about some of the ways in which things have changed. But before we, we get into the specifics, I'd love to have you talk a little bit about yourself and tell us how this ended up being something that you became such a renowned expert in. 
Oh gosh. Well, first of all, I love everything that you've said so far and it's so many really fun and valuable uh, topics that you broached. And I sit here um, actually in my kitchen right now, you know, because this is part of what I do is some podcasts and I'm doing it not from my office, but from my kitchen, which is part of my office. Um, Many years ago, I was working on my master's program and I wanted to be a counselor or some type of professional that helped and worked with people. That's, that was my goal. And, you know, as life happens, you know, our journeys are, are, you know, they're winding and I ended up um, working for a nonprofit as their development director. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what development meant. What it meant was fundraising. And I said, wait a minute, uh, but I wanna work with the kids. So I worked with the children's shelter and it was working with abused and abandoned children. And they came to us in the back of a police car because their parent or parents or whoever was caring for them was carted off to jail, very sadly. Okay. So although I was the fundraiser because that was the open opening they had, I was doing an internship there, I would come back and I would rock the babies. Many of them were crack babies. They they were very ill, some of them, and were being cared for. And others were just kids that were on their way to becoming, uh, you know, kids that would get in trouble if they Mm -hmm. followed their parents' lead. And there was this little girl, she was probably about 11 years old, and I would go and raise money during the day and come in the afternoon and, and play with the kids at the shelter. And this one little girl every day would say, when I grow up, I want to be rich just like you. (laughs) Every day I'd come back, we'd play games. When I grow up, I want to be rich, just like you. And so one day I asked her, I said, what makes you think I'm rich? Mm. And she said, because you always wear black, shiny shoes. And that moment, that moment in time was this light bulb moment for me, because what I realized is that this little girl could very easily be destined to the life of her parents had so much opportunity if there was only someone to train her because that's all she needed is a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of training and we were giving her that there not necessarily what I not necessarily etiquette this was life skills that she needed and decision making skills well guess what that's what etiquette is all about it's Mm -hmm. life skills and decision making skills and and although I I went on shortly after to to train children. It wasn't where I landed. What I do is I teach corporate etiquette and I start with university students um, and I work with all the way up to the C-suite. I I work with individuals from universities to executive training. But I always remember that little girl because she impacted me. She Mm -hmm. made an impact on my life. And every session I do, I mention the value of training because, you know, you said you had the Emily Post book on your shelf and I love that. I think that's, you know, and and it it would be interesting to look at some of that information because some of it is still accurate, I'm very sure. And there's some that might be dated, smoking etiquette, for example. I don't know if it's (laughs) right, but there is, you know, a calling card etiquette. But (laughs) I think that what happens is as time goes on, we evolve as humans because we have new experiences. Yes. it, we are always more powerful when we are empowering others. Yeah. 
Yes. And that's what I believe I do today. You know, in, in this 2024 timeframe, um, my goal is to go into corporations and, and universities and work yeah. with students and MBA students and, and uh, accountants and attorneys. And I work with everybody from astronauts to lawn care professionals. Uh -huh. I mean, it is a fabulous opportunity I feel I have to impart a little bit of knowledge and I learn just as much from them. Yes. Well, I, and, and one thing I do, I, I want to point out, I mean, you didn't mention this, but I do, I do have to uh, mention for those of you, uh, those people who may be out there and, and uh, are not as familiar with your background was, is the fact that you have a master's degree with an emphasis in human behavior. So, so that this being a part, it just makes a lot of sense to me that you've studied it, you understand it. And, and to me also, it just reinforces the message that I have and I've carried for so many people that you, you know, they say you have to do put in 10,000 hours to be really an expert in anything is that also um, it's not just the interest or the effort that gets it. It's also the knowledge base that you're drawing upon, right? That you, you have a real kind of, you understand the science of how humans interact and how humans behave as well. Exactly. Yes. You know, I um, certainly took some etiquette training years ago and, you know, I took my initial training. I call it the starter kit. And I say that very respectfully. I don't mean it was a starter kit. I mean that that's where you begin. Yes. But, you know, education, training, continued knowledge, learning, reading, understanding you can you can learn and get something powerful from every experience and you use and utilize that if you if you take a take any course you know any course mm -hmm. and stop well you're you're finished you know we we have to go on and we have to keep moving forward and so when someone says to me oh my gosh how did you do such and such well it was an overnight success of 21 years <laughs> so far <laughs> and there are yeah, many sure. bumps along the way sure, but i sure. I think that, you know, we, uh, what I, if there's a message I really like to pr uh, profess when I, I walk in and it, it, the etiquette that I talk about, the etiquette of today is not about perfection. It's about being a real authentic human, doing the best we can, um, knowing, knowing some basic foundational rules, yes. if you will, and we can talk about those in a little bit, yep. and then making others comfortable to be around you. So life is one big, um, if you will, cocktail party, because when yes. you go out to a party, whether you drink or not, it doesn't have to involve yep. cocktails, but yes. always a host or a guest at every and any occasion, whether we're in church, whether we're in a classroom, whether we're at our family's home, whether we are hosting a dinner for our children or for um, a group of friends. So if you're sitting in an office or if you're sitting at a meal, we're always either a host or a guest. And we, there are certain expectations that go along with that. Sure, sure. So let, let's, um, there are a few, because I have a few questions. Uh, let's start with dress. Yes. Uh, and 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 certainly there are a lot of things that have changed, particularly around certainly having a, a, a multitude of cultures represented. And so we've seen that expand, not just kind of a narrow definition of what it means to be dressed a certain way. But let's go back to what I mentioned, it just like the sneakers as an example. Yes. 
But what, so most of the people that listen in to the show are either leaders or aspiring leaders, but are trying to, from a professional standpoint, trying to improve both their image and their skill set. Um, and so they listen in. And so yes. what do you have to say uh, to people who are in these roles as image, as uh, leaders or aspiring to be leaders? What what image? How do you project that image that, hey, I am a leader? So, you know, you mentioned uh, tennis shoes and and there is there is actually an event that is called Tux and Tennies, you know, and it's it, it's a sports event and it's, okay. you know, fun and, and, and you know, it benefits, you know, uh, children. But even now, you know, wearing tennies with a tux in certain situations is meant to be creative. It's mm -hmm. meant to be influential. You know, there is something mm -hmm. with that, that people will do it because they feel confident, empowered. They feel like they can do it because they have the leverage to do it, you know? So, and, 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 you know, I can't knock them for that. If they're going on the golden globes and they're picking up an award and they're wearing tennis shoes, mm -hmm. who's to say that they can't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, however, you always have to think about your audience and, while it might be perfectly acceptable to wear, uh, in this case, the, the tennis with the tux for particular events, there are some events that you would really think twice. Let's say, for example, a funeral um, or, or something that was more um, serious in nature. Yes, yes. Um, and if somebody does wear it, then you can be, you can rest assured. Now, it doesn't, it does, it's not a knock against them, but I do think that every single one of us is responsible for our own brand. Uh -huh. And we have to decide as people, as influencers, because every single human walking the face of this earth is an influencer. Yeah. We influence others. Yes. So we have to decide before we walk out the door, who am I mm -hmm. and who do I want to impact? Mm -hmm. And will this will this impact them in the way, in the manner in which I am hoping? So there's all of these thoughts when it comes to what we wear. Yeah. And I do believe, now, and you know, I yes, we we can jump out and go to the grocery store and, you know, sweatpants and a, and a t-shirt or there's nothing wrong with that being comfortable. Yes. But I do believe that the way we d decide what we wear to each occasion determines multiple things. It determines your respect level for the other person. It shows whether or not you are excited about being there. It shows respect for yourself. Yes. And we, we often can't read the room, <laughs> meaning, oh, we think we look good, but perhaps we need to ask somebody else who is in a, who we trust, yes. who is real professional in that field. What do you think? Because for example, let's just say, oh, you asked your best friend, how does this look on me? And it, it doesn't look good, but they don't want to hurt your feelings. Or so, so you, we, we rely on professionals to help us. But again, that goes back to what we were saying at first, you, we gain knowledge everywhere. Yeah. We, we read, we follow podcasts and blogs. We look on Pinterest. That's still a very viable platform, you know, for ideas. Um, we look in, in magazines. So we're always determining who we want to be based on, sure. on sure. what we wear. Sure, sure. And and something you just said uh, really, really resonates with me about the brand. And, and I think um, all leaders need to think about 
their brand? What is your brand going to be uh, as people see you? And I mean, it says a lot also, like, in, and I think you said about your level of respect for the person or the persons that you are in front of, but also your level of respect for yourself. Uh, I remember very early on, and you probably do too, um, when Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, you know, as they were younger uh, men, kind of bucked the system. And when they, they, I remember they showed up in jackets and, you know, Steve Jobs was famous for wearing a t-shirt and some jeans, but had a jacket on as he was doing the company report for the year, yes. right? And and so a lot of that shifted and changed over time uh, that not necessarily suits was the only way, but also it became a brand. It became the way other people saw them. Uh, I, I, I want to add, I know I've been in a situation where I have been asked to come and speak. And then I went somewhere, and because of the topic that I'm 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 speaking about, I came in a suit, not necessarily a tie if it was a Saturday morning or something, but I I would at least have a suit on, and I show up, and then everyone is in casual dress, but me, and so the other part, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, is that I learned just as what you just said, to ask people. So I started now, what I start to do is that whether I'm speaking or if I'm just going to be a member of the audience, um, speaking to people and asking. So what do you think the dress should be or it will be for the day? Uh, because it really feels uncomfortable if you're the sole person walking around in a suit and wingtips from a man's perspective. And, and so um, my advice is ask. Don't be afraid yeah. to ask what the dress is. So I agree. I think that we tend to, we, we're uncomfortable, so we don't want to ask. And it's always better. For example, when you forget someone's name, rather than just pretending, hey, you, hey. Yeah. <laughs> That's obvious. We have to say, oh my gosh, I know we have met before. Please remind me of your name. That's more authentic, right? Yes. Yes. Well, it's more authentic authentic to ask the dress code. What is the corporate culture? And do your own research as well. Yeah. But you yeah. you said something interesting. Uh, you said that when you showed up, you were dressed, uh, you know, more formally than than your attendees. I don't believe that's a bad thing. Okay. Now, there can be an extreme, granted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, if you're going to a very casual corporate culture, uh, you may not, they may not identify with you if you're, if, if they see us speak, if they see speakers as stuffy and, 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 you know, just pent up. Yeah, However, that's my point. you still, you, you're not going to dress like the lowest uh, choice of dress that is right. there. Yeah, yeah. We do as speakers and as leaders, we do stand out. That is yeah. why we're there because yes, we, yes. and I say we as a community, not yes. you and I, we yes, yes. are our leaders and every one of us is a leader. Every mm -hmm. one of us, regardless of how much education, how much training, how much knowledge, we do speak with a level of, when you want to speak with a level of authority, people will believe you when you have that air and it's not fake. You know, they say fake it till you make it. No, I don't no, believe no. that. Right. I believe that training builds confidence. What you and I are doing right now is training. It's this simple. It's free. Yeah. You know, yeah. you that, you don't have to go spend thousands of dollars to get um, skills that you can use every day. So in terms of dress, yes. I believe that 
as a speaker, so if I go and speak and it's a retreat, it's a company retreat, and I know they're going to be in casual clothes and I, I want them to be comfortable, I'm still going to level up. I'm not going to oh, level down. Absolutely. absolutely. And, you, and I know you do as well, yeah, because yeah. I am standing apart, mm -hmm. still talking about leadership skills. Mm -hmm. And even if I were in jeans, and a blazer, because probably I'd wear some kind of cute, colorful blazer. You know, we want to be, it's our person. Yes, it's whoever yes. we are. Somebody else right. would be more conservative. Yes. I happen to like jeans and a pair of pointy-toed high heel boots and a blazer. <laughs> and uh, I can be just as powerful with that because it's the whole package. package we yes. have to feel good about who we are. And you know, it shows. And, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, oh, but sure. when we're uncomfortable, it shows yes. and it shows because we kind of dart our eyes or we, we look around or, or we, we tighten our fists and other people's filters can't tell, can't detect what it is. So they may say, oh, Diane is arrogant. Oh, Diane is stuffy. Diane is not very smart. Diane is whatever that filter is. Yes. So if we know some basic rules, mm -hmm. even when we're uncomfortable, if we can, if we can just, if you will perform, if we can extend our hand for a handshake, because we know that that's what we should do. The first person that extends her hand has the power and the power means has the confidence. Yes. Power, power is only powerful when it makes another person feel good about themselves. Yes, yes absolutely. And there's no, a, a lot of times we do tend to associate even that word power and influence as you know, pejoratively, we, we say, oh, well, they're controlling or, you know, or ask questions like, who do they think they are? But those are not negative words, um, especially when you're in a leadership role. So I want to kind of pivot for a second. Uh, by the way, I love that. I love that. That is exactly, that's my mindset. It is empowering others. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, another area I want to talk about, and this uh, to me is where most of the people, when they, I certainly me, when I've talked to people about etiquette, they immediately go to the dinner table. And I'm sure you probably get that a lot, right? Yes. And and they immediately go to the dinner table. And growing up, there were so many rules. I grew up in in the South I and um, in Alabama, and there were a lot of kind of Southern traditions about being at a formal dinner. And uh, to me, you couldn't get more stuffy than to be at, you know, kind of a Southern banquet. But um, one, I I have girls and, and often when we would be out eating, I would say to them, it's about the habits you develop. I know we're at Cheesecake Factory. I get it. However, it, what you do naturally and easily will be what you do when you're not. It's really difficult to turn it on and off. They, they are habits for the most yes. part. And that's just my perspective. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about um, when when we are at the or how we can be naturally in these settings that are around people eating around people that we haven't been around before. Well, one of the main things I wanted to talk about today, coincidentally, is the importance of dining skills. And you just brought it up. Mm -hmm. And the reason why dining skills are imperative 
they're so important to know is not because they're stuffy. When someone's talking to you with this tone of voice and they're using their knife and fork and their nose is up in the air, you're turned off, whether you're at the dinner table or whether you're sitting across from them, any place. The reason why dining scales are so significant is because if you are doing, if, if you are uncomfortable, because di- at the table is one of the most awkward, uncomfortable places to be, because we're worried, is there something stuck in our teeth, which is my bread, bread plate, which is my water glass. Again, it was back to what I said earlier, when we're uncomfortable, it shows. If we don't know what we're doing, we can't pay attention to the person across the table from us. We're not giving them our full attention. So If you just know a few simple rules, it makes the dining experience much easier and more enjoyable. And the skills that people need to know, you can use at the White House or you can use at the Waffle House. They are the same skills. Mm -hmm. So there are not, yes, there are some extended skills, you know, if if you're using more utensils, but there are some basic skills that everyone must know in order to feel confident and comfortable at the table. And because the person sitting next to you isn't necessarily watching your manners. If somebody says you have good manners, well, all right. What they mean is you're making them feel comfortable. Unless you look stuffy and they're thinking, oh gosh, this person next to me is a snob. Okay, so, you know, we don't really know unless, you know, it's, it's situations are different. But second interviews are conducted over a meal nationally. Mm. corporate interviews are conducted over a meal, the Mm. second interview. And the reason why, and this is why I go in 99.999% of the time to universities, I train dining skills because I'm training interview skills. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why their dining skills are important because the recruiter is watching how you treat the wait staff, watching how you handle awkward moments, watch how you navigate the table because the way you navigate the table is how you navigate life. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example if I might. Okay. I was working and this was many years ago now, but it's still a story that um, continues to come up because I still see these same um, executives. I was in an executive setting with high level players and I was training dining skills because we need these skills at every level. You know, what grandma taught us or our mom taught us or no one taught us at all doesn't matter when you come to a training because we all start from square one. And one of the tips of the table is corporately, you don't ask for a doggy bag and you don't ask to share. And that's just an executive tip. With your family, of course, you can take a doggy bag home or a to-go bag, whatever you want to call it. You know, you take your leftovers, but you, and you don't ask to share because think about it. A job interview or an important business meeting feels like a first date. They're all awkward. They're all the same awkward feelings. So I'm going through this executive training from beginning to end. And I had already given the tip somewhere along the line. Don't ask to share. I mean, don't ask to take anything home. And towards the end of this meal, this happened to be a litigator. So let me just say that. At towards the end of this meal, I had 65 in my, in my training program. This woman pops up from her seat and she didn't know anyone else. They were all from different firms and with her bare hands started grabbing the bones off of other people's plates to put them in a bag that she had in her purse to fill up one bag, then two bags for her two Labradors that she had at home. 
And she said, I don't care. I don't care. These bones are good. My dogs are going to love these bones. I don't care. And it was that voice. So fast forward the next year, we do another training and guess who's not there anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the way you behave at the table is the way you behave in front of a jury. It's the way you behave in front of a client. It's the way you behave in front of a aunt. It's the way we behave in life. Yeah. So our skills do transfer over. Sure, and so sure. in this case, she should have just kept those plastic bags in her purse. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. Absolutely. Oh. I and I, I would imagine people around the table were mortified as it was shocked. <laughs> Complete and total shock. And of course there was a little tiny part of me that said, you just I couldn't pay someone to do this. Right. I couldn't make this up if I right. tried. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and and now that's that's on the extreme side, but I'm I'm going to tell you that there are a few things that I've witnessed, and I felt bad because one, I I thought this person doesn't really realize what they're doing in this moment, but two, that is, I, I thought, but where do they teach you this? Um, and I'll give you the example of what I'm thinking about right now. Often, when you go to events, there are, and and especially in some of the high-end restaurants, they don't just give you individual rolls. There's a, a bread basket and there's a mini loaf or, or a loaf that is sliced, but it's always at the very bottom. It's attached to that bottom yes. piece, right? And so it's attached. The whole loaf is attached. And so I found people trying to navigate how to get a piece of the bread off. Um, I'll take a, um, a a napkin. Usually it's wrapped in a napkin, a lot of times a cloth napkin. And I'll make sure that if it needs to be held, I'll hold it with a, a, a cloth napkin and then tear off a piece. But I've seen people with their bare hands grab it, hold it, and pull it off. And it's just, I'll sit there and go, oh, it's just not sanitary. It's like, okay, I, I assume maybe I could assume that you, you've washed your hands, whatever. But I still, it's just not what you should do. And so what is your advice? I mean, because everyone doesn't have uh, access um, to someone like you. Uh, to to say, can you coach me on this? I right. mean, I think it would be great if they did. Um, but so given that we here we are talking to aspiring and veteran uh, current leaders, um, what is your advice to them about all these little nuanced interactions that happen at a dinner table? So truly, not because I am, this is not self-promotion because yeah, yeah. you can find this, anywhere on the internet, you just have to find a, a solid source. But if you go to Diane Gottsman, dining etiquette, you will find so much, you'll be sick of it. Yeah. So truly that is the best free information. And again, not just me, there are yeah, plenty sure. of very good sources out there, but they can Google, but you're right about the the bread and, and it's little tips like this that are so important because they make a big difference. Different, so yeah. The other person who's watching this person rip apart this bread, even though it was something very um, innocent, that can influence their opinion of them on other matters, right? Yes. So for example, with, 
with that bread, you did the right, you do the right thing. You hold it, you, you pull it, you know, hopefully with some type of napkin or, but, but you know what I always say about dining in general, this is a, a dining tip. Mm-hmm. You always eat before you go now, just a little nibble, a little something because right. you're not right. so hungry. If you can't figure out how to get that bread and people are ripping it apart and you're not going in there. You just saw somebody wipe their nose, you know, yeah. with the back of their yes, head. Yes, and now yes. they're, so you're just going to pass. You know, another commonly asked question is, if I want that last remains of soup, can I tilt my bowl backwards or bring the cup to my mouth? Absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you're not that hungry. You're at a business meeting or a job interview or that date, you know, wherever you're at. If you're at home, do what you would like. But rule, but, but our, our habits transfer. And without thinking about it, they, the way we behave at, at a comfortable table at home mm-hmm. transfers over to the way we eat in front of other people. And if you think, if, if we think, oh, no one is noticing, they're noticing. Oh, so absolutely. Act, they're noticing. And they may not say, oh, my gosh, he has or she has the worst manners. But what they're going to say, and this is in general, this isn't just dining. This is about how we present ourselves, how we introduce ourselves, how we communicate. What they're going to say is there's something about, I always say, Mm -hmm. I make my money in something about because Mm -hmm. I train and you do as well. You know, we, there is something about that person I like, or there's something about that person. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the skills that we're using that make other people comfortable to be around us. Not fake, not robotic, not schmoozy, not trying to get something from you. So I'm going to do this. It's about genuinely being purposeful and Mm. intentional with Mm. how we behave. So Diane, this has been a wonderful conversation. And uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. But I want to give you an opportunity to share with people, just as you've shared with me, your contact information, places they can find you and support your work. And by all means, if they need corporate training or at the university or any of their organizations, they can reach out to you and get you to come as a, as a resident expert. So tell where can people find you and where would you like for them to uh, connect with you? Yes, I would absolutely love to work with any and all of your audience. Uh, they can find me at protocolschooloftexas.com. There's, there is a place on my website, Protocol School of Texas, that they can contact me. I love for your audience to go to my Instagram page, which is Diane Gotsman. And the reason why I say that, it's a social page, but we put out everything on that page. So they will learn mm. Everything that I am inter- that I interviewed on, that I do, they'll even get to meet my 15-year-old poodle Marty, which is really <laughs> part of my life. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. You've really added to me today, and it's such a pleasure to meet you. And I can see why so many people turn to you uh, for advice and guidance in this area. And so hopefully there'll be a day when we can um, connect and and have you come do some work with us. And so until that time, go well, stay well. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me.